Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about what I think is kind of a big picture theme. Let's get started. You know everything, and I mean everything, started in unity. God speaking to Job said, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know understanding when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. This is Job chapter 38. And everything, and I mean everything, will consummate in unity as well. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Wow. So, what do we know about what happened in between to bring such chaos of disunity? Well, in the book of Ezekiel, God speaks to the, quote, covering cherub, unquote, who he destroyed, Lucifer. It says, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the mount of God, the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing, out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. That's all in Ezekiel chapter 28. You see, being perfect in beauty wasn't enough for this evil angel. He became filled within with violence, and so God cast him out of heaven. It's likely that Jesus spoke of this when he told his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's in Luke 10, 18. And Isaiah the prophet also prophesied about this. He said, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. 
I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. It's Isaiah chapter 14. Apparently, the perfect beauty God had given to him went to his head, and he sought to challenge the Almighty by exalting his own throne above the other stars, that's the angelic host. Yet pretty stupid, but he was infected with iniquity, which he seems to have infected other angels with, perhaps as much as maybe a third of them. In Revelation chapter 12, we read, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Now, from this it would appear that the dragon, that is Satan, took a third of the stars, or the angels, with him to the earth. Now, many of you know that this section of Revelation pertains to the tribulation time. But for our discussion herein, the lesson is that Satan, at some point, after he was cast out, took many of the heavenly host with him. That is, he brought catastrophic disunity to the heavenly realm because of his prideful iniquity. Thus God relocated him, so to speak, to planet Earth, where the consequences were also catastrophic. And there he was found in Eden, the Garden of God, seeking to destroy the unity of fellowship between God and mankind. You see, he's a super spreader of iniquity, you see. His own sickness began with his vile pride and spread to others in the heavenlies. Consequently, his insane hatred for all things godly motivated him to infect mankind. The amazing thing is that God, being omniscient, allowed this, having already predestined the salvation of mankind in Christ. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, 4, and 5, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why? Well, I suspect it was to provide many valuable lessons to all his creation. For Paul wrote that he wanted, quote, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's Ephesians chapter 3. And so after Eden, 
Because of our listening to Satan, all of our history has been filled with disastrous disunity and distance from God Almighty. The soup, if you would, of our societies is wretchedly fouled by unbridled pride, hatred, and self-obsession. Even those who promise to be unifiers are simply incapable of delivering. Mankind infected with iniquity is lost and self-destructing. But God provided the solution. The debt was paid on Calvary. And those who received that gift by faith look forward with great joy to the time of complete reconciliation. In Ephesians chapter 1, again, we read, In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that just means at the end, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Psalms 133.1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. But understandably, we have no idea of the goodness and pleasantness of this unity. We've never seen or experienced it to any significant degree. Honestly, we can't even imagine it. But we can follow Christ Jesus. And in so doing, quote, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. Above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. It's Colossians 3. Help us, Lord Jesus, to truly follow you, walking in love, your love. And Lord, please, Come soon. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast and may you realize more of his grace today.